Yeah, you. While we're on this topic, I know you're a pretty big fan of other sports as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you just you just mentioned that the influence of field hockey on on on, on analytics of football. Um, you live in Denver, which is a pretty big sports town, I would say. Um, they've got they've got the football team that you work for. Yeah, I mean, they have they have they have the defending world champions in the NBA. Uh, they beat the shit out of the Lakers a couple a couple a couple of days ago. I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna lie to you. Um, the Lakers are winning now though. So I wouldn't say I wouldn't say beat the shit out. Of well, bro, like, they, they were they le- they led the whole game, bro. Like they led the whole game. God, man, I thought I did I even bring that up, but anyway, um, and then there's the Broncos, and then there's the Rockies. So like, and you know, I know you're I know you're a big basketball fan. Right. Evs so, won the championship a uh, year and a half ago. So. Yeah. And what I wanted to ask you was, from an as an analyst, though, I mean, I know you go out to basketball games sometimes. I know you go watching all these other sports, you know, whenever you can. But what what are some takeaways you get from other sports? Like, that's what – because, like, a lot of analysts do tell me, like, oh, like, there are times when I watch other sports and I learn things. Like, what are some specific things that you learn? Like, let's say you watch a basketball game or something. How do you How do you kind of, like – like, how do you transfer that over to so, your so work? And what's really funny is like yeah. basketball uh, specifically. Yeah, you know, pick and roll, right? Yeah, yeah. So that could be like the way that they do stuff. Mm-hmm. Basketball can help mm-hmm. immensely in our set pieces. Mm. So corner kicks, whatnot. Yep. So free kicks, especially when you're running into, mm-hmm. you have two players that's offside, right? So mm-hmm. those people are offside, so you can you can actually stay and actually yeah. you know be in the way of the guys running in, so they lose a marker. So those kind of things you can always learn from different sports because mm. other sports have their specialties at what they do, and it's always interesting. Uh, and I, I told you before, I went to I went on a study trip to uh, All Blacks. Yeah, and it's a completely different game because sure. their game is not revolved around. <laughs> 60 around the ball right whereas it's, it's against a line against the line that's coming across each other just like american football um but th- there are little things that you learn from it what they do yeah. because in that game they try to take over the territory instead of possession mm-hmm. and like you, you kind of see like you can think outside of it the gives place. you ideas right yeah but like also you also learn the cultural side of the game as well mm-hmm. like Rugby people are very, very smart. Um, believe it or not, there's more rugby players that actually complete the university degree than like football player would. Mm. Footballers in soccer. Mm. Um, so they have extremely smart people working. Yeah. And and you the culture that they put on those players is completely different to how we do it in football. So like those kind of nuances that you learn just by watching and you go, how can we adapt that into our culture mm-hmm. or the way we coach or, you know, yeah. So yeah. I, I think you can always learn something from a different sport. Yeah, and the reason why I even bring this up is because Young Hoon here, um, he's had like something of a lecture slash seminar on how like certain concepts of basketball can be applied to football. Yeah, and I'm going to ask Young Hoon, like you just heard uh, Jace talk about how he takes things from 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 other sports like what are some takeaways for you like i, I mean we i know we talked about this before a little bit but what yeah. are some takeaways for you when you watch other sports like what do you take away like for example from basketball game what 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 are some things like you know jace just mentioned the pick and roll in basketball 
Uh, what were some of the biggest lessons that you got from basketball or maybe other sports as well? Yeah, as you said, I I made uh, I hosted the I hosted a seminar in Korea, mm -hmm. and yeah. the topic was the how to develop your how to develop your side attack, and I I used the man, I used many references from NBA, especially especially uh, last year at the Sacramento Kings of last year, and uh, in personal case James Harden. Because uh, now in now in football, in modern football, especially in top level, in penetration pace, uh, there are there are so many teams has those low blocks in uh, near to close to their goals. So you basically you don't have those you don't have you don't have big spaces to use to penetrate. So uh, what you have to do is you have to make some little bit of time and little bit of space to progress or to attack the penalty box of the opponent so i think the the perspective of basketball can be very useful and can be very interesting because uh, he he uh, uh, jace told up jace told us about the pick and low concept to use it in set pieces mm -hmm. but uh I'd like to say I want to focus on pick and pop a little bit more because to develop the side attack. Because uh, in 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 a flank, you if you have the ball, you are in the 180 degrees of spaces because at the back you have the sideline, so mm. you don't have to be worried about that. You can focus on your your opponent that that wants to mark you. In that cases, you can fix that. That defense player and the other one mm -hmm. when they want to double team you. And uh, last year, especially last year in Champions League, I I saw so many cases in Manchester City's game when Jack Lish or Bernardo Silva they had the ball, they had the ball. Other the opponent want to make double team to to stop them. But what what was inter uh, what interesting was. Uh, at that moment, what they can do, I mean, they mean uh, Bernardo Silva and Jack Lish, to solve those kind of kind of situations. Normally, people say, "Ah, uh, we have to see." For example, Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard in NBA, and uh, maybe first years, the many team wants to double team Damian Lillard, but after three or four years, because of the <laughs> three point, many teams wants to make double team when Lillard have, has the ball. But Lillard, many people said, ah, but Lillard, they he doesn't know he doesn't know how to deal double team because he lose the ball so many times, he made so many turnovers. But uh, after two or three years now he can deal those situations because uh, maybe some people say Lillard has that personal capacity, individual yeah. capacity to solve this. But I think it's a little bit I in my opinion, it's not like that. Because mm -hmm. the team knows how to deal those situations. Lila needs some options to solve that that situation, and now team knows uh, how to solve this. So uh, I think two against two, two on two is the key. Because uh, when you double, when you are, when you have the ball, when you are double teamed, you need that option, especially in football, uh, between those two players. Mm -hmm. If you are double team, they they uh, they gonna be two players, and between the lines, you have you need that option at the back of those two players, 
And those kind of things, I, I learned a lot because, you know, uh, Mikel Arteta, the head coach of Arsenal, mm -hmm. these days he he said he said he mentioned so many times. I I, I had a I have a chat with other 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 coaches of other sports, sports and right. we, yeah we made the interchanges of inter opinions about that. I think in when I when I watch Arsenal's games, I, I saw. I I've seen so many kind of so many kind of things from other sports, especially yeah. in, in basketball. Yeah, yeah, no, because I also heard that Pep Guardiola is a big NBA fan as well. Um, yeah. he, like he he talks a lot about Kawhi Leonard. I I, yeah. I think I read somewhere that Kawhi Leonard is one of his favorite players or something like that. And um, Eric Spolstra, who I have like tremendous amount of respect for, head coach of Miami Heat. Um, like he I I heard he all he also watches a lot of European football too. And like he, like he's a really interesting guy. I heard he like makes trip. He used to make trips to like Seattle to watch the Seattle Seahawks, to to watch Pete Carroll's teams play. And like, uh, yeah. like apparently he took lessons from that as well, which is like really, really interesting. Um, but yeah. Um, anyway, um, basketball, dude. Like I'm honestly, like, I'm starting to lose a lot of interest in basketball, though, man. Like, because um, if the Lakers don't stay competitive in basketball, I lose all my interest. That's, that's just the way I am, man. You guys are coaches, but I'm not. I'm a fan of basketball. So, <laughs> hey, man, that's just that's just the way I am, bro. Did and see, like uh, Jesse Marsh um, recommend uh, what was that uh, documentary with um, Kobe? Oh, um, what was the name of it? The name I forgot the name. Uh, Amazon. The one, the one that where he goes to the Olympics. Right, right, right. I know what you're talking about. I just, I just yeah. forgot the name of it, but I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. Completely forgot the name of it right now. Yeah. Blank, but uh, Jesse Marsh, when he was at Leeds, uh, he was like, "All of you guys, go home and watch this documentary." Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and um, that's an American coach uh, implementing NBA to Premier League players. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like surprisingly though, because you would think like. The, the dimension of the playing field is completely different. The number of the players is completely different. You play with you play with your hand football. You play with your feet, obviously. But you can actually draw a lot of similarities when you yeah, watch yeah. these games. Yeah, I, I mean, I know I'm just joking with like the, the Lakers like analogy, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for the mental side of the game, I think. Right, right, right. So. And so, like, the next question I have for you, Jace, is um, how does your day to day like this is like one of my biggest questions for you though. Because in football, I mean, because we, we talked about other sports like basketball or whatever, very similar jobs when you, when it comes to coaching these these sports, I feel like. But in, in football, it's slightly different because national team is such a big part of football still that, you know, being in the coaching staff for a national team and being in the staff of a club team, mm -hmm. I would imagine it's two completely different dynamics when it comes to your 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 day-to-day -day work. Yeah. Um. So how does your day-to-day -day differ as the first team analyst of a as a head of analysis of a club side rather than a national team? Because I'd assume that you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I would assume that club football is far more demanding than the national team. But you've experienced both. So can you can you explain that for us a little bit? Like, yeah, I, I would say club football is much more demanding because mm -hmm. just the number of fixtures and right and the turnaround to get yeah. Get things right. It, yeah. it does take a toll on you. Yeah. Um, and in MLS, obviously, we have so much more travel. Yeah. Um, and even that has an effect on you somewhat. Mm -hmm. But international football also, like, 
you, you do have a really quick turnaround. So, like, say yeah. if you're in the competition, most international football games, uh, like, you're in the competition, you know? Yeah. Like, you go to a World Cup, yeah. World Cup qualifier, you know, European Cups, and obviously our team, New Zealand, didn't have that uh-huh. many games. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, we wish we did, but it, it's uh-huh. hard to come by. Yeah. Um, that's another story. Uh but in the international setup, like you're focusing that energy on like monitoring players, who yeah. makes a cut, like who's this new player, like especially for us, like we're always looking for someone that has a you know New Zealand uh, nationality that can actually come and play for us, you know. So yeah, when Anthony was in charge, he actually uh, he found a lot of talent um, that actually could be playing for New Zealand. So mm-hmm. some player in Greece that his mum's like a Kiwi. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so somehow we find that and yeah. he's already playing at the fir- uh, Premier Division in Greece. Mm-hmm. So he's a decent level player and then we recruit him to come to one of our windows and, you know, that's how you find those players. And, and like, Austin mm-hmm. Reid was actually like playing in the Danish league when mm-hmm. he got recruited for more whites. How do you find players like that from a federation standpoint? Well, like, how does that yeah, even work? Winston's a bit different because Winston yeah. grew up in New Zealand, mm-hmm. and then he went to uh, Denmark. Yeah, um, and then like he got picked up again. But I'm yeah. sure there's some connections that that mm-hmm. all them like. Oh, he used to be at like this high school in in New Zealand, and yeah. then went abroad. So like, and now he's playing professionally. So he must be a Kiwi. Yeah, he's a New Zealander, so we have to get him. You know, like, and there are players like, like I'll tell you a funny story. Um, we actually almost recruited Ben Chilwell for the under twenties. Ben Chilwell, oh. Ben Chilwell of Chelsea. Yeah. So the funny story is, I'm not. Don't quote me on this, but I'm, I think his <laughs> mum is yeah. New Zealander as well. Oh. He, he's like an Englishman because like he, yeah. he came up the ranks um, of the Leicester youth mm-hmm. um, and somehow somebody found out oh no no, 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 no. Wow. somebody uh, Chris Wood at the time mm-hmm. playing for Leicester and then he's he saw a 16 or 17 year old Ben Chowell yeah training in the under 18s and he found out he was a half Kiwi so he's half oh. and then told our um, one of our head guys in the New Zealand football. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this really, really exciting kid. Mm-hmm. We have to bring him in. Like he's gonna mm-hmm. help us. Yeah. At least for the under twenty World Cup that's coming yeah. on, you know. And and you can always play for a under twenty he wasn't playing for the under twenties England team at the time. Yeah. So that's where the the option opens up for him, you know, to play mm-hmm. at the New Zealand under twenty team, and then and then he can decide. Oh no, I want to. I'm I'm good enough to play for England. Yeah. And then he can play for England. Yeah. But that chance came, and apparently, and and don't quote me on this as well. <laughs> one of the guys higher up that was in charge said, "Uh, well, he has to come and trial and prove himself." Yeah. Ah. Uh, his dad pretty much just said, "No, nah, go fuck yourself." So, <laughs> so that's that's how we almost got him. Uh, yeah, Aaron was absolutely gutted. <laughs> that, that's like really, I mean, but like, 
And now he's playing, like he's playing for Chelsea. He's like yeah. England's. But it, class, wouldn't so. that have been interesting though? Ben Chilwell playing for because uh, I, I feel like you told me this before off the record. I think I, 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 I think feel I like I heard this before, but like yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to refresh my memory a little bit. But I mean, at the same time, though, would ha would would things have been different for him if he if he started to play for New Zealand? Uh, you think? I think really. I think it's much better <laughs> he didn't come and play for us. <laughs> but hindsight, the yeah, that he's playing it because yeah. he became um, England's under twenty captain. Yeah, right, right, uh, right, 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 right. You're right. Captain for the England's under twenty team, so mm -hmm. like. Hey, kudos to his dad. Yeah. Believing in his son's yeah. abilities and just going along with it, you know? Yeah. Dude, so, Jay, you're an analyst. I mean, one of your jobs, I mean, I don't know if I can say this is your job, but I guess one of the things that you have to do is to watch a lot of football. Mm. Um, Is there anything that you noticed about MLS um, since you've been here? So, I guess like the last five years or so. Uh, that sets this league apart from other leagues around the world. Uh, yeah, I, I actually do. Um, yeah, there's two ways of looking at it. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, the salary cap. Yeah, because of the salary cap, you have like most teams invest most of their money on a good attacking players. Mm -hmm. So you will say on average. 70 to 80% of the salary cap goes to yeah. fighting forwards, mm -hmm. fighting midfield players who join the tax. Yeah. Because attacking players cost more money. And that's the general rule of football. Mm -hmm. um, apart from center backs nowadays, which is becoming yeah, yeah, like, yeah. harder you know, <laughs> to actually right. find. But I think that creates a gap of very exciting attackers to, mm -hmm. again, like a slightly lower level of defenders because mm -hmm. of the salaries that you have mm -hmm. spend on defenders yeah and that creates a lot more exciting moments and and also induces a lot more transitional game mm -hmm. so and obviously the league itself is very athletic a lot mm -hmm. of, a lot of like american like sure. yeah. as athletes you yeah. know like yeah. from college level right we recruit from like we just we just have so many athletic players yeah. That all of these things make us, I think, the most transitional league mm -hmm. there, apart from Premier League, which is the yeah. best, you know, highest quality, highest, you know, paced league in the world. Yeah. But like like when it comes to the transition side of the game, I don't think there's like I don't even think like the German league's more exciting in terms of mm. athleticism. Like they obviously yeah. have such a high talent to players. Right, right. In terms of athleticism, athletic we, ability, right? I don't think we're we're second to them. You know what I mean? Yeah, because Americans, the way they develop like athletes, because the, the word athlete, I almost feel like it's pretty exclusive to Americans. Because we, you know, like when we when we assess or like evaluate players in in like American football, like I mean soccer, I guess American soccer. A lot of what the, what what people say is, is he an athlete? Yeah, he's a football player. Is he an athlete? Like that's the question, right? You don't really hear people from other countries saying, like pointing at a pointing at a footballer and saying, is he an athlete? Like like, like the standard, I feel like, is almost completely different right, because yeah. for Americans, there's the footballer and then there's the athlete. There's mm -hmm. the basketball player and there's the athlete. Like they look at it 
almost differently. Like you could be a footballer, but that doesn't make you a good athlete. Right. Like that's that's almost like the way they look at it. And and rightly so, because like most of the like basketball players, mm -hmm. like they could probably play in American football. You know what I mean? Like probably, yeah. Or, or vice versa. Yeah. Because they're they're so athletic, mm -hmm. you know. Whereas I don't think you can just say a normal top tier soccer player, like yeah. not 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 like the Premier League. Yeah. I'm saying like somebody that's played for Barca's La Masia, for example, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. throw them into an American football team to <laughs> compete yeah. at the athletic level. You know, yeah. I can't see that happening. Right. Because football is a funny game where if your ability on the ball is so mm -hmm. good, it can sort of, you can not be as athletic. Mm -hmm. So it's like a, you can sort of maneuver yeah. not being athletic, yeah. but if you're that good with the ball, like they can't touch it, uh -huh. you know. So, yeah, it's a funny game, I think. But in America, we're just full of athletes, and because of the salary caps, we have to go for these athlete athletes. Yeah, is like we can't afford these top tier football level ability players like mm -hmm. off the board. You can't get twenty five of these players. So mm -hmm. you have to pick and choose, and you end up with some, you know, less football ability, but much more athletic and right and that kind of brings up the whole athletic level of the game and that's sure. why you see a lot of um european players that mm -hmm. used to play in top league like higuain for example is a yeah Gonzalo Higuain, yeah Gonzalo Higuain, when he went to, yeah. like he thought he was gonna smoke cigars like when he was like in, yeah into miami mm -hmm. but he found it really tough because right piece of the game is like it's not bad the level yeah. of the game is obviously Below what he's had to play against in Serie well, sure, A, yeah, sure, and Chelsea and whatnot. But mm -hmm. when it comes to running, like if people yeah. run runs at you, or you mm -hmm. have to try and chase the centre back who's much more athletic, yeah, like it's gonna be like, you know, like yeah. So, so yeah, there's two sides of the game, but yeah, I think that's something that sets our league apart a little bit, and that's where I believe like even players from Kaylee, they might want yeah. to have MLS as the next stepping stone. Mm -hmm. if they can't look at it easy because you have to be athletic to come to the school. Yeah. No, because I was just about to say, um, I mean, we we talked about Colorado eliminating, you know, LAFC a couple years ago. And there was a Korean player, Kim Moon-Han, who played for LAFC yeah. that season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's a good player, but he he found it really difficult here. I, I think he had he has some other issues with the coach. Sure, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. But at the same time, like it, it is a hard league to adapt. Not just yeah, adapt. No, because I think he really, yeah, he was surprised. And you know, adapting to LA is not the easiest. I think. Yeah, yeah, right. I, I think he was surprised at the at, at the at the level of play here. To be honest, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure he didn't assume that it was going to be easy for him when he first came here. But I think the the quality of of, of football here was actually. A lot higher than what he what he what he anticipated. Mm -hmm. I think that, that was that was one of the things. But one one thing that I also wanted to ask you about MLS is just because the travel is so brutal and, and within mm -hmm. within the US. I mean, I guess sometimes you guys have to travel to Canada too. But how much of an impact does that have, though? Because players, a lot of players have told me that it's rough. But I did speak with 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 Sang Bin at at Minnesota a couple weeks ago, and what he told me is. Because you guys are now flying, you don't. You guys don't have to fly commercial anymore. Mm. It's gotten better. It's but like from from your perspective, yeah, how is it? 
I, I think it takes a toll because um yeah like because our fixtures are much more condensed now than before yeah because of the league cup mm-hmm. we have many more midweek games and doing that kind I of noticed travel, that too yeah like say say we got there was a few weeks where we had three games in seven days right yeah um for example our last seven games out of the eight i think there was a phase where we play seven games in 22 days Jeez. which is like a championship level yeah and then you take travel into account and it's just it and, just becomes yeah. crazy yeah in england at least you just ride the train yeah like one hour one and a half hour train yeah. ride or, or or a flight right yeah Here, it's like three hours minimum right? yeah two, two, at least like yeah. two hours is the absolute minimum yeah like, normally you travel around three hours like if i got if we got to the east coast Mm-hmm. like three to four hours so yeah. there are times where we decide to even travel mm-hmm. the day of the game so after the game yeah and we come back and then we arrive Jeez, man. we arrive at like 4 a.m so yeah. like for me that's a killer like i don't yeah. love it but it also gives you a chance to be with your family for a whole day by doing that mm. so those kind of factors go into it yeah so some teams decide a certain way, some other teams decide a different way. But yeah. at the end of the day, it, it does take a toll because yeah, yeah. If yeah. you're on say six flights in seven days. Uh, and then if that, you're that, in a situation because you're not you're not really gonna have three away games in seven days. But yeah. I'm saying worst case scenario, that can happen. Well, sure. Yeah. So six four to six flights in seven days would be a very demanding in any like working space right and then if you take into account if you're a national team player mm-hmm. and you have to travel every month to mm-hmm. the national team i mean like if you play for korea or if you if you play in europe too like the amount of travel you have to do it's like it, it's it's more traveling than football honestly 100 percent. i yeah. know this very well because uh i work for new zealand national <laughs> that's what i'm saying yeah yeah, like, yeah. Our, our minimum travel was like 17 hours Jesus, like, that's just going one way you know yeah. what i mean like like we had a game in Northern Ireland. It took us 33 hours, I believe, to get to Northern Ireland. Was it even a direct flight, though? No, no. It was a direct, direct yeah. flight to Dubai. Yeah. And Dubai to London. And London to oh, Northern Ireland. <laughs> yeah. So that was a 33-hour travel, I believe. Yeah. Um, but, like, international f- football, that's yeah. brutal. Like, yeah. like, And you have players flying from everywhere. That, that's why it's very good for like say korean national team to play those games in europe yeah this reduces all the top players loads and and it's also in the head as well like yeah. if you just travel 15 hours it's gonna affect you mentally It'll be like, <laughs> sure you know it doesn't matter if you're first class or business yeah. class it's gonna affect you like yeah and the body is like an altitude for 15 hours as well so yeah. you get that like you're blood level goes oxygen level adapting to it and all all, all sorts of like i don't know the uh, that. yeah you 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 mentioned altitude though like yeah. I, I i forgot to include that in the set of questions that i wanted to ask you you guys play at high altitude it's yeah. Denver, yeah. mile high city mile, mile high. high city man i yeah. mean that's why the lakers lose there all the time i'm serious because you're at sea level out hey, here i'm telling you i i have to go up and down stairs here it's brutal bro i remember i was there yeah, like yeah. you can feel it yeah yeah so, you can feel it as soon as you land you can I feel look it. yeah so i got yeah. used to it so my yeah. you know oxygen levels used to this yeah if i go for a run um 
it's just so much more harder you know like it's just going up as you feel it so imagine like, a 90 minute game so yeah i had a beer with you in denver yeah like felt like i had about five man one or two felt like five exaggerating that a little bit but but yeah it does make a difference it does make a yeah difference. it does man like oh, so like on the plane when you drink on the plane like it affects you a little bit more so. yeah so do you feel like but if you play there as you know when you play your home games there every week or every other week well, well i guess um does that give your team an advantage though 100 percent um that's why uh when robin uh when we were in that west winning season Mm-hmm. We had a record of 29 home games unbeaten, I believe, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. which was like very close to MLS record. Yeah. We almost got to beating the MLS record, mm-hmm. but that's still like that showed you, yeah, if the team's doing well and and there's other things that goes into it, yeah. but altitude should give you an advantage somewhat. So it's almost like I mean I I guess players when you actually play there they get used to it over time mm. but is there anything that you guys do as a team to get them kind of acclimated to the high altitude situation there or is it just because it's your home like do they just get used to it over time well that that's why we try to go to preseason to mexico so uh... which is not quite mile high but yeah it's closer right so mm. we went to phoenix which is about one third the height of uh Denver. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, like Mexico is a bit higher than that, so yeah, like, it just helps you uh, yeah. a little bit quicker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, like every time I land in Denver, I get like a light. Like I mean, it's not terrible, but it's like light headache. Yeah, it does, light it headache. Does you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely. And, and I, th- I think it does affect them mentally as well. They, they know yeah. that you gotta have. Like, it's like lightheadedness. You know, it seems like come and change their whole tactic. Yeah, because they're in altitude. Yeah. Like, or they they don't play their be- best players and bring them on in the 60th minute to get the best yeah. out of them. You know, like we've seen many different things happen over here. I'm sure. And let me ask you this: um, since you've been here, I mean, MLS has changed a lot, bro, over the years. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was changing pretty fast, even when you were first here. I feel like, but now, like over the last, I think as little as three to as much as five years, I think it has changed a lot. Mm-hmm. From someone like you who has been in MLS for as long as you have, what's been the biggest change since you've gotten here since since, since you've been here? Looking back at it now in two, in twenty twenty three, looking back when you first got here, like what's been the biggest change in MLS? Quality of players for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, the amount of money being pumped in to the teams and the league for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously i think it's like a cascade of effects like like you bring in messi then obviously you're gonna attract more players like just like how ronaldo did it in um saudi but obviously yeah. Saudi's a bit different because you're everyone's being sure. paid like millions yeah. of dollars um so yeah I, I would say the quality has definitely risen because when i first got here I didn't think the quality was great, and then it really improved around the COVID time, like the, uh, around like 2020, 2021. 2020, 2021 is when yeah. I saw a bit of change. Yeah. Like every team has 
like six, seven, eight quality players. Like when I'm doing opposition analysis, yeah, like there used to be just like one guy that you highlight of that team, <laughs> yeah. like two guys. Like when, when we first come here, like yeah, like these are the guys that we really have to worry about. Yeah, right now it will be like we'll be highlighting fullbacks, like like how their deliveries affecting the game how yeah. you know how they can join attack and obviously in transition like mm -hmm. they're very effective as well like mm -hmm. they don't really used to highlight that many fullbacks mm -hmm. in 2018 but now we're, we're highlighting like center backs that can change the game yeah like, like sixes obviously that can get involved with the ball that can mm -hmm. penetrate so like the the quality of players has risen like that that we highlight so many more players than we used to. Mm -hmm. That just shows you the the whole overall league's qualities coming up. Yeah, I I was talking to to Sangbin, uh, who's who who plays for Minnesota, and mm -hmm. this is a player who hasn't played much in the second half of the season. But what he told me was the defenders that he's facing in MLS, mm -hmm. he finds it more difficult than the ones he faced in Switzerland. Which I guess at this point now, it's not even a big surprise anymore. I think that's Honestly. with the athleticism, though. Right. Because right. Back here, like, yeah. like I said before, because we can't afford top center backs that can yeah. like, play with the ball, mm -hmm. you end up going with like at least he's athletic and he can stop you, you know? Yeah. And because we have that salary restriction, I think more and more teams has at least one central defender who's, who's an absolute athlete. Yeah. And then you have fullbacks that's now they're investing more money into because fullbacks are so important in the modern game. Yeah. They have to join the tag. They have to, you know, actually overload midfield, you know, yeah. become one of the pivots, etc. Like the smart ones like Zinchenko does for Arsenal. Mm. You know, mm. they, they can pull a player away because we know that they're good and yeah. create space for somebody else, etc.